How are you this morning? Good. That's good. Now, the kids are in our service this morning, so kids, if you think you might need to, you can go get a blue bag from up the back. Some activities and some colouring in. Welcome to do that. Well, how is everyone going? Happy New Year to everybody. That's got to be. Happy New Year. <laughs> Marty's into it. He's into 2020 already. It's a bit like that sometimes, isn't it? Some of us are really excited about the new year. It gives us a heap of new opportunities and a fresh start and new art. And today, I'm going to try to avoid any reference to 2020 vision. Um, any other 2020 or site references will be um, absent from the message this morning, hopefully. Um, but it's, great. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Some of us really look forward to new things and a new start. And for some of us, it's like, we're still on the roundabout. Here we go again. So this morning, we're in our, in January, we're in our summer series, and it gives us an opportunity to share some of our favorite passages. And one of my favorite passages is Romans 8. Now, Romans 8, as a chapter, it's massive, right? There's so much in there. So what I want to do is just focus on one section that I think is key to me and what I believe and where I find my peace and security. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we've got to look at your word this morning. I just pray that despite any of my shortcomings or failings, that you would speak through me this morning, that you would have a message for every person here, that you would meet each of us exactly where we need to be. Uh, Father, we just pray that uh, as you speak to us, you would reveal our hearts to us and that you may indeed use this morning to, to speak to us and grow us and change us to be more like your son. And we just ask for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, New Year's. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of New Year's? Fireworks. What else? Resolutions. It's a big one, isn't it? Okay, Lauren's thinking about diets and exercise, um, but it's not too far from the truth, is it? Like we're actually bombarded nearly on a, a daily and hourly basis as we get into the new year about New Year's resolutions, aren't we? Things that we can change, things that we need to change. We want to change our circumstances, we want to shore up and possibly change our future, and we even want to change ourselves. But I wonder why is it that we're not happy or not satisfied with where we're at currently? Why is it that we have this sense of dissatisfaction? What are some of the popular New Year's resolutions now? We've already heard a couple. Diet, exercise, what else have we got that people want to change? In general, it doesn't necessarily have to be yours. Less internet, yeah. Yeah, giving up smoking, looking after our health. Yeah, jobs, change jobs, get a new job, stick with the current job. Yeah, sort out your finances, budgeting, getting stuff sorted out so that you can be a wise steward of what God's given you. Um, some other ones I came across, uh, you know, it might be relationships. It might be, okay, this year I'm going to 
sort out that relationship with that person that's been fractured or might be looking to um, start a new relationship or deepen the relationships that we have. It might be about self-improvement. It might be like, I'm actually going to read every day. I'm going to read the Bible every day for a start, but I'm going to read books that actually encourage me to be better. Or some people might even just take the new year as an opportunity to learn something new. I can actually broaden my horizons and better myself this year by learning something new. So, while Romans 8 is massive and our list of New Year's resolutions is massive, I want to focus on the last section of Romans 8, uh, verses 31 to 39 this morning. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to it and we'll read it together. Let me know when you've got it. Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that passage and to me it's foundational to my Christian walk. No matter what I do, no matter how I win, lose, pass or fail, nothing can separate me from the love of God. So while we think about our New Year's resolutions and all the things we want to change, none of those things are actually bad or detrimental. It's good for us to be um, good stewards of what God's given to us, including ourselves. What I do want to ask is, why actually do we want to make those changes? I think that's the important question for us to get to the bottom of. I think one reason could be the pressure. Now, in days gone by, I can see there are a few in this room that may have preceded me even, as old as I am, to remember that Marketing execs didn't actually, they actually had to work hard to get their message in front of us, didn't they? Whether it was a billboard, could have been a, an ad in the newspaper, or even TV and radio, they worked hard to tell us what we needed and what we didn't have. It was a hard job. They had to get the message to us. But these days, 
we're asking them for it. We're downloading it right into the palms of our hands. We're looking for the recommendations and the opinions of all these social media influencers, whether we like it or not. It's the Facebook and Instagram life, isn't it? We take these snapshots in time that take something that's temporary and freeze it to present to all the world. Now, these little snapshots, they can lead us to believe that we're not as fit or even as happy as some of these other people. We don't go on as many holidays or the same type of holidays. We don't always eat out at fancy restaurants and take photos of our seafood platters. We don't buy the same cars or we don't always seem to have something new. That's something that we get bombarded with every day. I'm in quite a few Facebook groups, just interest groups, you know, things about guitars or, you know. Um, and I've got a couple of examples. I'm in a, I'll talk to you about three. I'm in three groups. One's called Gear Talk, Praise and Worship, which is just about, you know, guitars and cool stuff, but in a church context. So, you know, everyone's talking about sound systems or, you know, whatever it might be. Just interesting stuff. I'm in another group that's a Line 6 group. Now, Line 6 is a, just a company that makes stuff. They make like that pedal board thing that I plug my guitar into. And there are people talking about, you know, the latest things you can do. It's all, you know, pretty generic stuff. And I'm in a worship leaders group, which is just, you know, people encouraging one another from around the world. Now, the Gear Talk group has 30,000 members. The Line 6 group has 26,000. And the worship leading group has 19,000 members. So just in those three groups, uh, I'm connected to 75,000 people around the world. Now let's just say, it's probably not totally unrealistic for each one of those people to buy something, something new, and post about it. Oh, look what I got. I got a new guitar. If they did that once every five years, that means that there'd be 15,000 new purchases every year, or 41 per day. Just in my three of my groups that I'm getting bombarded with. Look at this new guitar I've got. Look at this new amplifier. Look at these new microphones. Look at these new speakers. These are the messages, and that's just my groups. Like you could, you know, you might be in many more groups. Tim's motorbikes. Tim's motorcycle dream group. <laughs> Do you get my drift? We're so keen to have all these messages come to us that tell us that we don't have enough, we're not doing well enough, we've got to do better, and we need more. It's 41 per day. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't even, I nearly can't imagine buying that many guitars per day. <laughs> but it's a stretch, all right? It's a stretch. Maybe after a week I might start having a bit of trouble, but... But whether it's guitars or books or the latest thing that they're into, we're getting told and sold that we need more. Now, it's easy to think that because all these new things are happening to all these people, 41 out of 75,000 every day, it's a pretty small percentage. But when it's 41, coming to me, one person, it seems like an awful lot. Everyone's got to be doing it. That's what it feels like. Everyone's eating out, having a fancy dinner. Everyone's on a fancy holiday, but not, not necessarily the case. All of these snapshots in time, some orchestrated, and some that are even paid for, 
people get paid to look at my brand new sneakers from whatever company it is, you know? They get paid to do that. That can lead us to believe that the lifestyle we lead is lacking and inadequate. We can't keep up with the unrealistic and sometimes the literally unreal expectations. If our desire is to make things new or better in the new year, if our desire is rooted in wanting to keep up with these expectations, not just for things, but also who we should be and how we should act, these things that are being forced upon us by the world around us, then we may as well spend our time chasing the wind. We can't do it. But I think the most important thing is that when, I think that when we do that, when we start to strive for those things, whether intentionally or even unintentionally, we put ourselves in the place of God. God who is our provider, protector and saviour. We can think, I need all this stuff, I need to plan better so I've got more, so I'm more secure, so I've got a future, so I can do more. If we do that out of a heart of wanting more, we can put ourselves in the place of God. That's God's rightful place to provide, to lead, to guide, to direct us. We want to do that ourselves. Instead of being satisfied um, with what God has given us and being good stewards of what he's given us and relying on him for his provision in the future, we take things into our own hands. We can even unintentionally attempt to become our own source of provision and security for the future. Now, does that sound familiar to anyone? In Luke chapter 12, Jesus told this parable. You don't need to turn to it. Let me read it to you. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, now I don't know why he said man, or he said, Man, who made me a judge? Who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he said to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So this is the one, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now all of these things we do, we do in pursuit of something. But what is it? Is it happiness? Security? I think the thing, the thing that we're looking for, we, sometimes we can't quite put a finger on it. I think what we actually might be looking for is peace. So this year, this new year, my encouragement to you is rest in what God has done and get involved in what he is doing. Rest in what he has done and get involved in what he's doing. But what exactly has God done? What has he done? In our pursuit of something new and something to change, we often forget or we can turn a blind eye 
to the one thing that never changes. That thing which gives us a solid, eternal foundation. God's love for us in the gospel. So Romans 8, it's a powerful book. But it reminds me that there isn't anything in all of creation that can separate me from the love of God. This is where I find my peace, knowing that whatever comes my way, can't change, remove, or lose my eternal security and the relationship that I have with God. Let's have a look at the list from Romans 8 and have a look at some contemporary interpretations of those words. What then shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Is it tribulation? Or would we say trouble, suffering, burden or affliction? Is it distress, which we might call anxiety, sorrow or pain? Persecution? Would we say ill treatment or oppression? particularly even for religious beliefs or beliefs that we might hold and be uh, oppressed or persecuted for. Famine, not something we come across a lot in this country, but lack of food and good health. There are people who struggle for these things. Nakedness, lack of basic clothing or possessions, the things that we might call the necessities. Or danger, a lack of protection, security, or even teammates to do life with. Or sword, the very real threat of death. Not always are we faced with that from um, an enemy with a weapon um, in the traditional sense, but you know, we are faced with death all day long. You know, we've talked this morning even about um, you know, those in our emergency services that have lost their lives You know, they went to work one day. They stood up to do something for their community and didn't come home. So you can see out of that list, when we give them some more contemporary meanings, we think, um, these are really the things that can affect me every day. And I can see many similarities between this list and the things that we look to change and protect ourselves from. We want so desperately to avoid these things that we can take matters into our own hands as we seek to safeguard our health, our finances, and our own futures. But God has secured us and made us his own for eternity. So what is it that God's done to make this possible? Romans 8.32 sounds familiar, doesn't it? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. The message of the gospel is simple, but so profound. John 3, 16 and 17 are verses that many of us know off by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It blows my mind firstly that God loved me enough to send his son Jesus, not to condemn me, but to save me. I deserved condemnation, but that's not what I got. I got salvation. 
And secondly, that he did that at a time when he knew that I didn't deserve it. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He He loved each of us so much that he sent his son to die in our place. And he did that without us having earned or being worthy of anything. No matter our history or what we've done, he didn't just say he loved us, he actually showed us. He demonstrated it perfectly by giving up his son, Jesus. Given freely to whoever believes in him. So how do we respond to this love of God? What did he do and why did he do it? He's shown his love for us so that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. It's our response to God and his very real, demonstrated love to us. It's our acceptance of his gift and confession that he is Lord of our lives that saves us. This is how we find the peace and security that we long for. Romans 10, 9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. To confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You may have heard this before, or it might be the first time you've heard it. It might be the first time you've heard what you need to do to be saved. But it doesn't matter to accept God's great gift of salvation through his son Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's the first time or the 100th time. You need to respond. Will you respond or will you leave it for another day? Um, Who's packed up their Christmas tree already? Who packed up all the unopened gifts? (laughs) You mean there weren't any? I know there weren't any at our house, that's for sure. But that's the nature of a gift, isn't it? It's given, you accept it, and you open it. In the same way today, I'm encouraging you and challenging you to not leave this gift of salvation that God brings to you today. Don't leave it under the tree. Our tree's already gone. Thank goodness. It's already packed up. But don't leave the gift of salvation under the tree for another day. Now what I would like to do now is something we don't do often in our church, but I want to give you the opportunity to respond. I'm just going to take a moment and I'm going to pray a prayer. Um, This might be the first time you've had the opportunity to say this or, as I said before, the 100th. But unless you respond... You're ignoring God and his great gift for you. If you would like to respond, I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes as we pray. I'm going to invite you to pray this in your heart. Let's pray together. If you'd like to repeat repeat after me in your heart, please do. Dear Lord God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner and believe that Jesus died for my sins. And I know that you, God, raised him from the dead. I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life and invite him into my heart today. Thank you for loving me and for forgiving me. Amen. 
if you prayed that prayer today, even for the very first time, please don't leave church today without telling someone about it. Come and tell me, one of the pastoral team, or someone that you know, or someone that you've come with. It's important when you accept Christ as your saviour that you enter into a relationship to do this journey together with those around us. That's what the church is for, isn't it? To encourage, support, and walk and journey with one another. So please don't leave today. If you prayed that prayer today, you receive the gift of forgiveness for your sin and the gift of eternal life, the love of God. And you know what? Nothing in all of creation can ever separate you from that love. I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, good or bad, on holidays or not, Things present, all things to come. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. I'm not sure that that leaves anything out. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a pretty good assurance, isn't it? Nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love. Now, when we live in a response to this, those things that we worry about, those things that we're trying to change or avoid, the tribulation, the trouble, the suffering, the burden and affliction, the distress, the anxiety, sorrow and pain, the persecution, the ill treatment or the oppression, the famine, the lack of food or good health, our nakedness, our lack of basic possessions, the danger we face, that lack of security, or sword, the very real threat of death. These don't disappear, but we can face them and approach them from a totally different perspective. No matter how significant and real our problems might be, they're temporary and unable to separate us from God's love. And that's where we find our everlasting peace and security. So what do we do with our New Year's resolutions? We don't need to throw them out. We all need to look after ourselves and be responsible stewards of the life and resources that God has given us. But don't let your desire to grow and improve your circumstances come from a heart of self-support. Remember that it's God who is our ultimate provider, protector and saviour. Rest in what God has done and get involved in what God is doing. Whatever your circumstances are this year, whether you're coming into something new or you're on the roundabout doing it all again, whatever the season is, whether it's a season of feast or a season of famine, a season of good health or sickness, a season of security or a season of trouble, or it might be a season, a season of relational abundance where you're surrounded by friends and family, or it could be a season of loneliness. Whatever your circumstances this new year, let God work in and through you. God can use your circumstances. If you surrender them to him, he can bring new people into your circles. Um, I know in our circumstance, we've... Um, spent a bit of time at different hospitals and things around the place with the, with the boys and um, we have met so many people that have been brought into our circles of influence and relationship 
through our circumstance that God has been able to use. That he's not just worked uh, in us for that, but worked through us into those circumstances. Let God work in and through you. He'll use your circumstances if you surrender them to him. New people to journey with, care for, support, and to share the love of God with. Approach and respond to your circumstances from the solid foundation of God's love for you and the peace and eternal security that you found in him. When we approach our circumstances from that solid foundation, nothing can shake us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, therefore that foundation is immovable. It is there for eternity. And we can stand on it and allow God to work through us uh, into those around us. So this new year, my encouragement to you, rest in what God has done and get involved in what God is doing. Rest in what he's done and get involved in what he's doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have a solid foundation. Your great love for us, it's immovable. We pray that as we work our way into 2020, that you would work through us, that you would open our eyes to see opportunities to, for us to grow, but also for you to work through us into those around us. We pray that as we step forward into 2020 from this solid foundation, that we will do so with a different, uh, different viewpoint, a different set of eyes, that we can see the needs around us and we can see the opportunities for you to work. Father, we thank you for your love for us and we thank you that nothing can ever separate us from that. In your son's very worthy and precious name, we pray and commit our year to you. In Jesus' name, amen.